What's up, everybody? It's Cynthia Sam here. Welcome to the New Man Podcast. And oh my gosh, do we ever have an episode for you? Guys, this is one of those interviews that I am like so proud to share with you. And not, not that I had not proud of the other interviews, but um, this one was just exceptional. So I interviewed a guy named Steve Sonderman, and he is the founder of uh, a ministry that's basically called um, No Regrets or Men with No Regrets. And um, I don't know, he just, there, there are certain people where you meet them and you can kind of tell that they're not just like talking the talk, they're walking the walk. So this, this was one of those interviews. Um, this guy is just phenomenal, phenomenal in so many ways. And I know you're going to be blessed by it. Um, but let me just read his, uh, his, um, his bio here, just so you kind of get a bit of a, a piece of what he's like. And then, um, and then we'll kind of take it from there. So highly regarded as one of the pioneers of men's ministry. Steve Sonderman um, has been on staff at Elmbrook Church in Brookfield, Wisconsin for nearly three decades. In 1994, he began the annual No Regrets Men's Conference, which today draws thousands of men across the country and around the world. Steve regularly consults churches on leadership issues and leads seminars, helping to develop men's ministries both in the U.S. and abroad. He has authored books on leadership and curriculum studies for men. He has a bachelor's degree from the University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee and a master's of divinity degree from Bethel Seminary. Steve and his wife, Colleen, have four grown children and are proud grandparents. Man, oh man, oh man, oh man. I'm telling you, this guy is phenomenal. So um, we talked a lot about uh, marriage um, and just principles of like a good, healthy marriage. We talked about how to just be a healthy man and, and what the church can do to help men become healthy because the church is, in some ways, they're offering things that are just not of particular interest to a lot of guys. We, we talked about all that stuff and, and we covered, um, honestly, just felt like the whole gamut. So I know you're going to be impacted by it. Highly encourage you to listen to this. And uh, if you can, take some notes as you go as well. He dropped a few real good pearls of wisdom. Um, but without further ado, here's my interview with Steve Sonderman. Welcome to the New Man Podcast, a show for brave men to experience freedom in their faith, sexuality, and relationships. The goal? To provide practical tools and timeless principles that help you become the man you were made to be. And now, your host, Sathya Sam. Okay, well, I'm here with Steve Sonderman. Steve, welcome to the podcast. Hey, it is great to be with you today. Uh, I've been looking forward to this. Uh, first time we've met, and yet I feel like I've known you for a long time. So yeah. well, thanks for having me. Yeah, well, it's always a pleasure to meet um, you know just other people who I think are passionate about helping men, uh, especially. We, we can be kind of an underreached demographic, especially in the church, and we're going to get into all of that. But um, you're not new to men's ministry by any means. We're talking about three decades of experience here. Um, and, and I think I had seen in your research, and I think you had mentioned it, but you were one of the first people who really had a full-time role at a church that was devoted to resourcing and equipping the men. Where did all of this come from? Why, how did you end up in a role like that? Why, why does this passion exist? Yeah, well, let me tell you, I, I, didn't, uh, I didn't see it coming, and I, I didn't ask for it. Um, I had been working uh, in the college-age ministry for about almost seven years. And uh, before, before being a pastor at Ellenbrook, I had worked on, you know, volunteered in high school ministry for six years, and some years in young adult ministry. And so I had done a lot of, you know, sort of youth work. And so finally, I went to our senior pastor, Stuart Briscoe. I said, listen, Stuart, I said, I am really tired of bus trips, pizza parties, uh, all night <laughs> parties. I said, you got to get me out of here, right? I, I, I've got four kids of my own. And I've got about 400 kids in the college age ministry. And I said, so I said, here's the deal. I'll do, I'll do prayer ministry. I'll do missions ministry. I'll do evangelism ministry. I will do uh, assimilation ministry. Give me any one of those. I'm, I'd love to do it. Just tell me what you want me to do. Hmm. Well, he came back a month later and he said, well, what we really want you to do is men's ministry. I said, men's ministry. I said, that's not on my list. I said, <laughs> I said, prayer, missions, evangelism, or, or assimilation. And I said, what in the world do you do with, with men? I said, I've never worked with a man in my life. And he said, here's what I want you to do. You do the very same thing you, you did with the college kids. Just try to act a little bit more mature. So <laughs> for the last 30 years, that's exactly uh, what I've been doing. And I had, I had no idea uh, what to do. So I, I, I literally drove downtown to the, the business district of, of Milwaukee. And I just, and I walked around. And I said, God, you have to give me a vision 
you have to give me a passion for working with men because I don't have it right now. Mm-hmm. And, and I, and I'll tell you what I did is I just spent a lot of time in prayer and I began meeting with guys and I just, I took them out to breakfast. I took them out to lunch and I said, tell me about men. And I said, what are your, what are your greatest struggles? What are your obstacles in growth? How can we best minister to you? And I literally, I think I sat down with about 75 guys individually and over a number of months. And I just, I just learned about men and, and hmm. where they were at, what they were looking for and how we could minister to them. And it really was for about nine months before I actually started doing something with the guys. Uh, but I just used that time for God to sort of prepare me to, to develop in me a vision, a passion for what he wanted to do. And so it was, it, again, it wasn't something I was looking for, but right now you 10 huge horses couldn't drag me out of it because I absolutely love what I'm doing and so grateful that God brought this into my life uh, 30 years ago. That's so amazing. And I, I think very typical of uh, how you kind of fall into ministry, right? Like right. we always have an idea of what our lives are supposed to look like and God's got uh, maybe a slight detour in mind. Yeah. Um, so that kind of explains, I guess, why you got into it, but you've been in it for 30 years now. What what keeps you passionate about it still all these years later? I mean, you you recently decided to do this full time now and you, you had really interesting perspective. We didn't get a chance to elaborate before we hit record, but we might as well now. But you had talked about having, you know, maybe a good 10, 15 years left for you and you wanted to do this thing full time. So it's not that the passion was there and now you just have to keep this thing going. You're clearly still very passionate about it. Um, what keeps you going today? Yeah. What, what keeps me going today um, are a couple of things. Obviously, it's my relationship with Christ, right? And just keeping that fresh and alive and vibrant. And, and I can't tell you how many pastors and ministry leaders I've talked to where, uh, where the flame has gone out, right? Mm-hmm. And they're, 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 where there once was a red hot heart burning in love with Jesus, um, it's, just, it's just dwindled down to nothing. And so it, it, there's just that intentionality about being in the word and being in prayer and, and staying humble and just walking with Jesus. And, and, and I know it sounds trite and it sounds old, but having been a believer now for, gosh, uh, over 40 years, um, it's, it's something that's really true. And, yeah. and so I have, to, I have to really work on that. But, you know, the other thing is, is, is seeing transformed lives. I mean, that's why we do what we do, right? It's not just to have another meeting, not just to speak at another event. It's, it's truly to see men's lives changed and transformed. And, and so when I, when I see a guy come to Christ and, and move from, 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 from you know, being in control of his life to allowing Jesus to be the leader of his life and really begin to change it, that, that, that energizes me and that keeps me going. When I see a man say no to sin and say yes to Jesus, that, that's motivating for me. When I see a guy get out of the pew and get into the game and discover the purpose for which he's made and begin to use that for kingdom impact, that's, that's motivating to me. When I see a church who, who just does the Nurgut's conference once a year and, 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 and that's, his, that's it. They, they, they're just sort of event-based, but all of a sudden they begin to have a disciple-making ministry in their church where guys are getting connected and guys are getting mobilized and guys are getting rooted and guys are being released and being changed. That motivates me. And so it's, it's, it's all those type of things. When, yeah. when, I, but I, when I see men taking those steps of faith and their lives being transformed, their families being transformed, their workplace being transformed, it gets me up in the morning and it keeps me up at night. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Well, if, if you're just listening to the audio, Steve's face just lit up like a Christmas tree. That um, We clearly hit your passion point there. It's pretty amazing. Um, I'm wondering if you can talk about that conver- those conversations you had early on, those nine months where you're trying to figure out, okay, what is what are the challenges guys are facing? Um, I'm just wondering, like, is it the same challenges today? Have, have things changed over the last 30 years? Like, if you had to contrast when you started and where you are now, um, how, how have things changed in kind of the landscape of just men's ministry in general and, yeah. and the Christian man? Yeah, I mean, that's a great question. And, and the answer is yes and no. Uh, the answer is yes in the sense that things are the same because men are men. 
And in wherever you go in the world, and I have the incredible privilege of, of ministry now in over 30 countries and doing ministry to men in those countries, working with leaders. And and, and wherever you go in the world, you, you discover that, that men are men and men are struggling with the same issues. And, and it's sort of the what's what's beneath the, the surface type issues, right? Mm-hmm. And, and so men from the very beginning of time have sort of, you've seen the same thing. You saw Adam in, the, in, in Genesis 3 hide because of shame. Men have been hiding ever since. That, that hasn't changed, right? And, and so maybe the way we hide changes, um, and we might hide behind different things, but men are still hiding today, and they're hiding maybe behind their Rolex, maybe behind their sports team, maybe behind their kids, maybe behind their 401, maybe behind their work, maybe between behind their hobby. It, it could be different, but 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 men are still hiding, and 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 men have some of the same core issues. Am I am I good enough? Uh, am I worthy? Does, am, am, does anyone really love me just for who I am? Um, well, am I going to be accepted by by others? The men have a fear of failure and of making mistakes, and and we the list goes on, right? I mean, we could sit here all day, and, and that's a podcast in itself, which would be yeah. great. Um, <laughs> but but those issues that men are dealing with beneath the surface are are the same, and mm-hmm. they're the, the same longing and searching for happiness, oftentimes in the wrong place and maybe looking for that that quick hit um that makes them feel a little bit better and every man has sort of their drug of choice right and and for some it might be work and for others it might be pornography for others uh it it might be sports it it it, it changes or it's different Um, but below the surface the core issues i think guys are are the same that way yeah having said that ministry to men is different today than it was 30 years ago. Right. And while the issues are the same, the way you you have to package your and deliver your 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 Bible studies and your messages and your ministry may look very different than we did 30 years ago when we were dealing with with boomers in a sense, you it was more programmatic and and it was more event based and and and, and guys believed and then they got connected in, in small groups to belong today it's different the the younger man is a little bit more doesn't trust institution and big as much they don't yeah. want the programmatic they want it more personal and they they're going to maybe belong before they believe and 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 instead of the, the small group setting, it may be more one-on-one mentoring. And and again, that, that's a whole seminar that I do on ministry to men today and how it's different than before. But uh, for sure, are, are men generally the same? Yes, underneath the core issues. Ministry to men a little bit different? Yes, for sure. Yeah, I love that contrast between uh, believing and belonging and sort of how the order has changed over the years. I wonder if you can talk a little bit about that. Like one one thing that's really stood out about what you do is just the emphasis on the local church. You're not necessarily trying to draw people to you as much as you're trying to push them to their local churches and, and empowering the churches themselves, which is, you know, absolutely brilliant. And I yep. think the, the ministries that have stood the test of time have always done that. Um, so I guess I'm just curious, what what does that look like now? Like how are you sure. resourcing a local church? Um, and I, maybe how has it differed over the last few years? And especially I'm curious in, in the context of helping them belong first so that they can eventually believe. What exactly does that look like? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, let me just start. I'll tell you where, where, where it sort of came from. Um, well, one, I, I, I was a pastor for 35 years. And so I, I, I just believe in the local church. And I, I just, uh, I've just seen so many incredible, wonderful things happen in that context. Um, and I just, and, 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 and it was probably in the mid-70s. Uh, a little bit before you were born, and um, uh, Milwaukee was going to host Billy Graham, and they uh, and it was a very interesting situation because Milwaukee is eighty percent Lutheran Catholic background, 
And and so there never been a, a big crusade like this. There never been churches working together. And what Billy Graham said, and it was part of the way they, they did their ministry, he said, we will never come to a to a city, and I don't know the exact number, I'm just gonna say it, but I think it was something like unless there's over a hundred churches that have agreed to work together to invite us. We're not just gonna go wherever we want, but we have to go with the the invitation of the local church. And and I always that 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 impressed me um, that that they were a ministry that was not about just doing their own deal. Well, they could have because of their size and influence, obviously, but they chose not to. And and that that's always stuck with me. The fact that I was a pastor for thirty five years, and the fact that I did that model of what Billy Graham did. And so we only go where invited. Uh, by the local church. I have no interest um, in just going into a city to do our deal or to go into a country and do our deal. Uh, I'm not interested in just sort of raising the no regrets flag, but I I truly want to walk alongside the local church uh, in in humility, as a servant, and saying, what can we do to help you to be more effective in reaching men for Jesus, rooting them in Jesus, releasing them for kingdom impact and reproducing them as leaders in life. And so as we do the conference, we have host sites. We're saying, listen, we're putting on this conference for you. And if you want to use it to supplement what you're doing in the local church to reach men, that's great. Take it, personalize it, make it your own, use your own worship band, use your own seminar speakers, do everything you can to make it, to give it your unique uh, church flavor. And and so if there's a Catholic church that wants to do a mass at the end, that's great, right? And 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 we have churches of all denominations that are that that are their host sites. They're all different denominations that I work with as far as helping to train them. So uh, really that's just been part of what we do. I think part of one of your questions was how do we walk, walk alongside the local church? Well, one thing we do is what we call a leadership cohort. And uh, we, we do one in the fall and one in the winter where I'll take 12 to 15 leaders, could be a pastor, could be just a high capacity volunteer. And I walk them through a six month process of developing and designing a unique pathway for men in their church. Mm-hmm. So we'll talk about who are men today and really do a deep dive on that for a month. Then we'll talk about team leadership and how do you build your leaders? How do you how do you develop a spiritual pathway for, for your men? How do you do small groups? How do you develop leaders? And we'll walk them through that whole process um, over time. I used to do the, the two-day conference, right? And just fire hose guys with all the things you need to know. And yeah. I just realized that, that that's just not very effective. And I think the older I'm getting, the more I've been in the church, I realize that it takes time. Yeah. And, and so it's it's walking with these guys over months to help them slowly develop their, their plan, build their team, and begin to implement their ministry. And uh, for me, that's the most rewarding thing that I do is just those one-on-one conversations with pastors and ministry leaders and helping them wherever they're at, whether they're starting from scratch yeah. <laughs> or if they've plateaued uh, or if they want to take it to the next level whatever. I've seen it all. Church of, of 50, working with churches of over 20,000 and everything in between. And just wow. saying, look, you're unique. And we're going to help you where you're at to, to develop your ministry. Event. So oh, I, long I answer. love that. No, no, it's good. It's really, really good. I love that. Um, I'm wondering if you can actually comment a little bit on how people are, are finding um, just getting men involved at their church. Because I know for me, even like I'm reaching out to uh, local churches all the time. I have a pretty extensive network just from when I used to be a pastor. And the response that I commonly get is, hey, Cynthia, we love what you're doing. We just don't really have a men's ministry right now. Or, you know, like uh, the, it's it's going through changeover. The volunteer didn't really stay, stay too long to lead it or whatever. Um, I feel like that's a very common story. And I guess I'm wondering, like, uh, why is that? Why Why are men not really engaging in their local ministries um, or the local church in general? Because I think the stats are pretty clear across the board that generally it's women who are attending church, participating, volunteering, and everything else. Where, where are the men and how, why is it that there's such a disconnect? Yeah. Oh, there, there, there's the, there's the nugget, right? I mean, you, you, you discover that answer, you write the book, you're done. Um, <laughs> but that, that is the, that's the, that is the issue. And, 
and like you said, we know that, you know, statistically, um, that in the average church today, it's about uh, 61% women and 39% men, and that, that that number is, that gap is widening every single year. And when it comes to involvement in Bible studies or service, um, that it's predominantly uh, teenagers and, and women, and that the men are staying away. Uh, and then we know that from a church perspective, um, less about 5% of churches in America have any ministry to men at all. Um, and so, you know, it's, it's when you look at it, you can get discouraged. You think, wow, what's, what's going on here? Um, we know that men today are the largest unreached people group in the world, uh, not just this country, but in the world. And so, yeah, yeah I mean, we have our work cut out for us. But having 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 said that, uh, I, I, I'm hopeful and I see signs of, of good things happening everywhere. And so I in, instead of being discouraged by the numbers, I try to look at, OK, who, where are the churches? Who are the, the, the leaders, the pastors that say, yeah, we do want to make a difference and, and let's let's work with them. Let's let's walk with them and and and, and to help them. Um, but, you know, having said that, you asked the question, why? Uh, yeah. I think there's a number of, of, of reasons. I think busyness, I think, is, is one I hear all the time, that mm. guys are just more and more busy. They're being pulled in different directions, uh, whether that's at home or coaching the soccer team or, you know, as companies downsize, they're, be give, they're, they're being given more responsibilities at work and at church or wherever. And so there's just the, the, the busyness factor is 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 real and it's and and it's in it's an in issue um i i think the fact that we we live in a in a post-christian era um and as the as is as we move further and further from the cross and from christianity it's it's having an effect on on men right and and so i think that's part of the issue as well and um and so there's just more and more distractions uh, for men's time and for their allegiance, and so we're, we're just there, there, there's a there's there's a battle for all those those things. One of the things we know from the statistics is that when men are surveyed and they're asked why don't you attend church, 72% of them say it, the church is irrelevant, and so wow. uh, it's it's a major issue that in the church today, we're, we're not answering the questions men are asking, and we're answering the questions they're not asking. Hmm. And so when I, when I talk to churches about what are men looking for today, at the top of my list is a church that's relevant. Are we speaking into the issues that men are asking today? Wow. So um, uh, they're, they're asking about how, how do I grow a healthy marriage? How do I how do I parent? How do I how do I blend faith and work? Right. So we know in this last year that 92 percent of Christian men never heard a sermon on work. So okay, what does that tell a guy? That 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 tells men that where you go on Sunday morning has absolutely nothing to do with where you spend 60 hours a week. And so if a if a church is going to be relevant in today's world. We need to be speaking to the issues of where men are living today. Marriage, family, work, purpose, mission, integrity, purity, the things that that men are dealing with where they're living, we have to address them. I mean, that's just one area that we need to look at. Is yeah. the church relevant today? There's others, but that that helps answer, I guess, a little bit the, 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 the question that you were, uh, that you brought yeah. up. Yeah, I mean, that was worth the price of admission right there, Steve. That's a, a very robust answer. And um, and I think it really hits home to a lot of guys who, yeah, would, would agree the church is losing its relevance, um, maybe at large and certainly in their personal life also. Um, yeah. So I guess one of your messages that I've, uh, I think I've, I read an article that you had posted just about men's call to lead, how all men are called to, to be leaders in, in some regard. And that's something I'm very passionate about as well. Like I don't consider what I'm doing here to just help guys uh, recover from porn. That That's what it is kind of on the outside. But on the inside, it's about helping them become the man God made them to be, which I believe includes leading. Um, what does it mean to you when, when you're trying to, to help leaders? Obviously, you talk about working specifically with people who are designated to a leadership position. But um, can other guys lead too? And what might it look like for you know, the guy yep. who's working his normal nine to five and has a couple kids at home, what might it look like for him to be a leader as well? Yeah. 
That's that's great. And and I, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. I think every person, I'm gonna say men and women, uh, is are made to lead at some level in some place. And so again, my ministry is more specific to men, so we'll we'll focus there. Um, but I, I, what we're trying to do through our discipleship resources is is equip men to be leaders in their home, church, workplace, and world. That that's what we're trying to do. And and so I think um, where does leadership start? It starts with being a servant leader. Um, mm. Jesus model. The Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And I believe that there are many men in our church today that have grown up in a, you know, you know, with an unhealthy model of, of, of leadership. It was, and it's usually one of two extremes. It's either, either a very dominant uh, role of leadership, of just doing what I say type leadership, and lording it over, as Jesus addressed in that passage, lording it over others, whether that's so people at, at work or people in the family or friends or wherever that might be. And, but then the, the other extreme is very passive, the very passive male. And and, and that just is sitting back and, and watching as the world goes by, uh, sitting on the sidelines. And so the what, what we're, we're trying to do on a regular basis is, is is saying listen every one of you as as men has a has a leadership role someplace and we want to equip you to do that and mm-hmm. and so how do we do that well i believe and i think we touched on this in the very beginning but i believe the optimal place for a man to grow spiritually and in their leadership is in community is when they're connected to other men and in yeah. in our ministry verse has been that proverbs 27 17 is iron sharpens iron one man sharpens another when a man gets in a small group good things happen and 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 having seen literally thousands and thousands of guys from our church in small groups um i've just seen the stories of of men's lives being changed um because of that and wow. so everything we did everything we do is focused on getting men connected in community and that is the place then where those that leadership can be developed so once they're in community then we start with the character issues because your your leadership will only be as strong as your as your as your character, right? Yeah. And 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 so, what's below the water line, right? Like the iceberg, ninety percent of men is below the surface, and so we want to make sure that the that the character of who they are is consistent with the leadership role that they have. And of course, what we're seeing today is so many men and women who are, who are put in leadership roles, but they don't have the character to carry it, all right, to bear the weight of the responsibility for which they've been given. And so in that small group, that that sharpening process can happen. Their character can be shaped and formed and molded. And so uh, it, and that takes time. You can't microwave character, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, but it just it just takes time. And so in everything we're doing, you know, through uh, the connection and through the studies and through working with guys, we're working on those character issues. That's that's one thing. But then there's also the, the competency issues. All right. The, the, the skills of, 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 of leadership. And, and, and so in every setting, that's going to be different. Right, in a, in, a, in a business setting, in a home setting, uh, coaching the 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 fifth you know the fifth grade soccer team or what you know whatever, uh, leading the Boy Scout troop, leading a small group, wherever, um, and so you have to say, okay, what are the skills needed um, for that area of leadership, and and so we work on some general things, but then we encourage churches, small groups, to make sure you have a a pathway for leadership, a, a leadership pipeline. And uh, right. I, I, I talk a lot about pipeline with churches and organizations and, and saying, okay, you want a, a, a leadership pipeline is, you know, making sure you have, uh, you're intentionally developing leaders for every level of the organization. And so uh, there, at every level, there's different skills that are needed. Certain skills, if you're going to be a men's small group leader, there's certain skills that you need. If you're going to be a coach, certain skills that are needed. If you're going to yeah. be a dad, certain skills that are needed right and so um and so in our small group materials that's what we would do we looked at okay for a dad what are some of those basic skills needed and let's let's develop those and then the third area we talk about all the time is chemistry is the ability to get along with others 
leaders need right. to be able to get along with others. And, and so, as I like to say, some guys just can't play well in the sandbox. And so, you know, team relationship and working together, checking ego, all those things is a, is a third area. And then the final area is calling and, and helping men understand their calling in life. I'm a, I just love Ephesians 2.10, where it says that we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do a good work. Every man has a good work to do. And, and part of my, our role is to help them discover that and then be freed up to go and do it. That's what gets me excited. So yeah. four areas of leadership that we're constantly thinking about and talking about with men. So no matter where they are, what they're doing, we can equip them and help them to become the leader God created them to be. Yeah, yeah. I just want to stand on my feet and give a loud <laughs> amen. That's really good. Really, really good. And um, I think every guy listening can definitely resonate, just longing to, to grow in those areas, not out of a desire, but really a necessity, you know, to feel like a man and to step into that calling God's put on their life. Um, I want to switch gears just a little bit because I, I guess I was just thinking, you know, you've been doing this for 30 years. And what we do see is that um, people will be in similar positions to you, Steve, but maybe they don't have that character necessary to steward what God's given them. And they, they fall to the wayside one way or another. Like you said, they, they don't burn red hot like they used to or they run into moral failure or whatever. Um, I'm wondering if you can just talk a little bit about what are the things you do personally that have allowed you to just um, stay consistent over the years, stay healthy, uh, work through. I imagine you've had your share of challenges in three decades of ministry. And um, I think I read in one of your articles that you, know, you talked about even just uh, talking to your wife daily, uh, dating her weekly and retreating yearly. I love some of those little nuggets you have. And I'm wondering if you can give us uh, a few more. You can expand on that one if sure. you'd like. Uh, what are some of the things you do to just stay fresh yeah. and, and stay in a healthy place all these years? Great. Here's the first thing I want to say is uh, I just, uh, one of the things I do is I'm the, the, the chaplain for the brewers. And we've been going through the book of Jonah here these last few weeks and uh, came to Jonah chapter three, verse one. And it's one of my favorite verses. And it, and it says this, and God came to Jonah a second time. And, 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 and God is the God of second chances. And you just mentioned that there may be some guys out there that don't feel as like they're being used today, or they're, they're, they've been sort of put on the side, or the fire's not burning as, as, as hot as it was before. I, I just want to encourage those guys to know that God hasn't given up on you. And God will come to you a second time, a third time, a fourth time, a fifth time, and a second time. And that that no matter where you're at, God can redeem you and restore you and use you. And so let's, let's just start there. Guys, don't give up on yourself because God has not given up on you. So And so what are some things that I do to ensure that I'm in this for the long run, right? And the things we can build into our into our lives. So you mentioned marriage. That's it. If we're not doing the work at home, we can be a hugely successful ministry, but if we're a failure at home, none of that matters. Right. Yeah. And, yeah. and so Colleen is my favorite, my, my best friend. And, and so we, we talk at marriage retreats and conferences all the time. And that's, that's what we talk about. We say, we're going to talk daily. We're going to date weekly and retreat yearly. So we, we, you know, we're empty nesters now. We have four great kids. They're all older. Um, we have grandkids. We love our kids, but we're glad they're gone. We have more time for ourselves. And, <laughs> yeah. and so, you know, now we, we both work full time. We work very intense jobs, but usually it's, we have a late dinner together and then we just hang out and we talk and we catch up and, and we'll do all just the normal catching up type stuff. What'd you do today? Things. But then we move to, you know, more of the heart issues and we have to keep on taking that conversation deeper and deeper. And so yeah. we talk daily. Um, we've been married. It'll be, it'll be 38 years this November. And, wow. um, we, I would say every week, pretty much we've been on a date and even wow. when our kids were younger, we still dated and we, we didn't, we wanted to make sure that we didn't take our relationship for granted and that we were constantly growing in that. And then every year is for our whole marriage. We always have retreated. We've gotten away for three or four or five days. Um, just the two of us to, to talk about our relationship. And we take long walks and say, where have we been this last year? What, what are the things we've learned? What are the things we've gone through? And then what do we want to do this coming year? Where do we want to take our marriage? What do we want to work on? What are the growth areas? And again, so there's that intentionality to make sure that, that I don't sacrifice 
in, you know, my family on the uh, marriage, on the altar of, of ministry or work. Yeah. So keep the marriage alive because if that's not growing and healthy, whatever you do outside of that, it really doesn't make a difference. I love um, that. Can, can so, I just interrupt you for a sec? Yeah, um, yeah, go. I guess I've just been thinking about this because my, my wife and I are, are very adamant about a weekly date night as well. And we've been together for, I guess it's five years now, married for two, and we haven't missed one either. I've always wondered though, what happens when you start having kids? Uh, I'm just wondering practically, I'm kind of asking this selfishly now, hopefully somebody yeah. else will benefit too, but what did you guys do to keep the date nights going even in those more challenging seasons? Yeah, well, we, we, we'd have to be creative, you know, and um, we, we made a commitment early on and we just said, you know what, we're, we're not gonna have the best furniture in town or maybe have the nicest house in town, um, but we are gonna have a strong marriage. So we, mm-hmm. we said, we're gonna give up other things uh, to make sure we have money to go out. And we didn't always have to do expensive type things. It sure. could be just going to a park and having taken a long walk or going for a bike ride. Um, and, and so we invested in babysitters uh, back in those days. And, uh, and we, um, you know, we, yeah, we invested in babysitters. Sometimes we'd take care of some friends, kids, and then they would take, then they take care of our kids. You know, we would just, you know, do different things like that um, just to make sure that we got out. And uh, yeah, and I, I'll tell you, our kids were, were are better for it, much better for it, because I'll tell you right now, what your kids want more than anything, more than a, a nice gift for Christmas, they want to know do mom and dad, dad love each other. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's so you know. True. And when we'd be in the kitchen, we'd be hugging and kissing. They'd come and try to break us up, you know, and pull us apart. <laughs> and they would laugh and giggle, you know. And they thought it was cool. And then when we were getting ready to go on Friday, old Friday night. They it was part of the routine. They knew. Friday yeah. or Saturday night, mom and dad are going out. And it's just part of life. This is the way it is. They don't know any better, right? <laughs> and uh, and and now they're all married and they're doing it their, with their spouses. And it's it's cool, you know? So I love that. I love just, that. Just do what you have to do to make it happen. Yeah. yeah and, I th- and I think on the flip side, you know, every kid sort of has that tension in them when mom and dad aren't getting along and when they are fighting right. and everything else, right? So I think that's a, that's a really good point. Um, that you're actually doing it for your kids by taking that time away from them. Yeah. Um, okay, I, I totally derailed this. You were, you were answering that yeah. question so well. So what are some other personal things you've done yeah. to just stay consistent so, long-term? Yeah, I'll just mention a couple. Um, I, I already talked about just keeping your relationship with Jesus you know, strong. And so Absolutely. just, and again, that what what works for you? And I, and I think the longer I'm a follower of Jesus, I've realized it's, it's not a check-the-box deal. And, and walking with Jesus and the disciplines you incorporate into your life are going to be different for every guy, every person, because yeah. we're all unique. We have different, you know, personalities and temperaments and, and just sort of the way we grow. And so just have that freedom to know it's going to look different. Some of you are people are going to like to journal. Some don't. Some, you know, really are really good at silence and solitude and some some aren't as strong some want to be in the word every day and some you know what it's just gonna be a few times a week and some have to sit down at a table and have to spend their time in prayer and others can take a walk and be praying and that's okay we, mm-hmm. we build in those disciplines not for the sake of the discipline but to connect with king jesus and and so just have freedom to know it's going to look different but here's the other so that just keeping that relationship strong but the, the third thing i wanted to mention is when you stop learning, you stop leading. And so I have been a lifelong learner. And and so everyone learns different uh, and there's different learning styles. But for me, it's reading. And so I'm always reading a book on leadership. Always, okay. I'm always reading something, and uh, and so I am actually not a big podcast guy. I, I will listen to them, um, but my main thing is is reading, going to conferences, attending seminars, and I'm always doing. I'm going to one tomorrow. I'm, I'm, uh, Ken Blanchard's organization is doing one here in the Milwaukee area called Learning to Lead Like Jesus. And I'm, you know, from eight to two, I'll be there. I'll just be sitting, I'll be taking notes. And, yeah. uh, and, and, and I've taken a lot of notes on leadership over the years, but I, I'm always attending things like that to, to grow and to, and to learn. And I, I think when you, when you stop learning, you stop leading and there's always a new area. Right. And, and so yeah. I'm just challenging my staff. I, I was, you know, um, and, and friends just to keep learning. So that, that's another one. Third is mentors. 
is that I have a constellation of mentors in my life. Hmm. And I believe that the relationships that you keep will determine the trajectory of your life. And so um, from, from young on, you know, I had someone that was a little bit ahead of me in the area of, um, of finances. And so I talked to them about finances, someone else in the area of parenting, someone else in the area of marriage, someone in the else in the area of leadership, someone else in the area of spiritual growth. And I just, uh, and then emotional stability, emotional well-being. I have these people in my life and I don't meet with them weekly, maybe just be a couple times a year. Sure. But I'm, I'm just always have a list of questions and I'm making a list of questions in my iPad. And, and so when I have a chance to connect, maybe personally or maybe by phone, uh, Zoom now, I'll just say, hey, can we get together? I have some questions for you. And these are people that help me with my roles, my goals, my soul. And, and so I'm just making that list and always saying, hey, I, I need you in my life and I need some advice. I need some help. And so that that I think has been very instrumental for me to, um, to, to continue to grow. And then the final thing I'll say before we move on is, uh, my emotional well-being. I think we can put a lot of emphasis on the spiritual, which is important. We can put emphasis on the relational, which is also important. Um, but then there's the emotional well-being and, um, I, uh, one of the things that I struggled with early on, uh, was workaholism and, uh, it, it, it caused problems in our marriage. Um, and it, and, and what had happened is, is that, uh, work became my, my addiction mm-hmm. and I didn't realize it, um, until I went and got, until my wife said, you have to get help. And so I went and got a, some help and, and the guy said, Steve, what are you feeling? I said, bad. He said, that's not an emotion. I said, I'm feeling good. He said, well, no, that's not an emotion either. And I said, well, that's as good as it gets. That's all I know. I'm either good or I'm bad. Well, it it took a while, but I came to realize that I had an addiction. And my addiction was socially accepted, but it was work. And and, and all of my energy and time and resource was put into seeking the approval of others through work. And, And I had to, it took me a year of counseling, of hard work, of working through that with a counselor going through some group things uh, to, to face my addiction uh, head on, to get the help that I needed. And, and, I, and I realized, as we talked about at the very beginning, that, that men have their different issues below the surface. Um, and it, for me, it really wasn't about work. Yeah. <laughs> it was about something much deeper than that. And that's what I had to address in my life. And I think oftentimes as leaders, um, we can numb ourselves, take away the pain through different things and through whether, whether that is work or whether that's pornography or alcohol or drugs or whatever, um, pick your drug of choice. Right. Yeah. And, but as leaders, unless we're emotionally healthy, we're not going to be able to lead an emotionally healthy organization. And so, and even family. And so, I would, my, my, what I've had over the years have done is I have stayed connected to a counselor. I've stayed, I've, I've addressed, continued to address my emotions, learn to identify them and then learn to express them in a healthy way. And I need to know what are my triggers? What are the warning signs? When is the light going off that I need to say, okay, uh, what's going on here? And uh, maybe it's time to get together and talk with such and such to, to look at this. And uh, because there's all this stuff coming up in life yeah. and, and that can trigger us, right? That yeah. we're, 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 we've never arrived. So, you know what, I, those are five areas I just throw out there real quick that have been helpful for me to last for the long haul and encourage that with others. That's really good. Really good. Okay. So I got two questions I want to ask you just as we kind of wrap up here. Okay. Um, you're talking to guys who are maybe looking to grow specifically in the area of sexual wholeness, sexual integrity, purity, mm-hmm. and, you know, have, have struggles for whatever reason. Um, what, what would you say to them? What, what, what would you do to, I don't know, encourage them or guide them along the way if they were looking to get some help? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and at first I would say, if, if I was talking to a guy, I'd say, listen, you're not alone. You are not alone. And I, I just can't tell you the thousands of guys that I've met with and talked to. Um, this is this is an issue in everyone's life, the, yeah. the, the men that I talk to. And and I would say you are not alone. And and every man, uh, it will, so that's the first thing I tell them. And the second thing I'd say is the, 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 the best, one of the thing, best things you can do is get connected with other, other guys 
that are going in the same direction of you and 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 to get some help and yeah. and they'll get in the group and all of a sudden guys will be start talking and they'll go holy smokes i'm not the only one that struggles with this and you just see their eyes get open and wide and and they realize i'm not alone and oh my goodness that is so freeing yeah for yeah. men to realize they're not alone there are other guys that are struggling with this and that there are safe places out there where I can talk about it and I can get get help. And so where we spent a lot of our time is working with our small group leaders and talking about how do you develop that safe environment where a man will be willing to, to share whatever the issue is and to be able to to get help. And and I think that's important and that's key to, to men's growth. Um, and so that's again another 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 podcast on that. But the other thing I would tell the guy is one, you're not alone, and two, I would say, listen, to to really get help, there needs to be a, a combination of getting some professional help, maybe with a with a counselor, but also with a group of guys. And and all the statistics show us that for the the, the best work is done, the best success in this area is when you have both of those hand and glove working together. Yeah. Uh, you have to do the hard work of, of some, with some, up there, a counselor, but then you also need that accountability, but not just the accountability, the encouragement, the empowerment that comes from being with other guys who are praying for you, walking with you, want the best in your life. They're cheering you on and they're yeah. there for you. Right. And so I'd say do both those things and, and you'll have a much better shot at, at having breakthrough and experiencing the freedom that Christ wants you to have. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. We kind of we kind of fell into doing community stuff here and group stuff by accident and then just saw that like it was way more effective than anything we had done before and kind of vowed to never uh, leave it out of anything that we do. So I, I couldn't agree more. Um, just as we wrap up here, Steve, you had made reference earlier to the conference you've been putting on annually for, I think you said 28, 29 years. Um, Tell us a little bit about the conference and then just in general, how can our guys connect with you here if they want to learn yeah. more? Oh, that's great. I'd love, I'd love to talk about it. It's a, it's a wonder if it's always held the first Saturday in February. So this year it's going to be February, February 5th. It will be our 29th year. It's wow. the No Regrets Conference. And you can just go to that website, noregretsmensconference.org and you can get all the information on it. Uh, it, it runs from, uh, well, eight in the morning, Eight, yeah, eight thirty to to twelve thirty. So it's about four hours long now. We have uh, incredible lineup of speakers, just world class men's speakers. It's it's really geared towards believers and equipping them and encouraging them to be godly men in their home church workplace and world. And what we do is we live stream it out. Um, and uh, this year we had about 109 host sites, uh, churches around the country. So if you're a church leader, you can stream it right in. We want to supplement what you're doing in your ministry to men. And there's a minimum charge for that. It's all explained on the website and what it means to be a, a host site. Um, and so you can you could be a host site or you might be a small group leader. And you might just want to have four or five guys over and have it in your rec room or your living room or your, your conference room at work. And you can, you can just be a small group or... You know what? You could just watch it individually, and, and so we provide all all those options for you. And uh, we live stream the speakers. We then put up uh, discussion questions for guys to talk about in small groups when the speaker is done. Um, every 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 seminar app, we give you four options of what you can listen to. So again, you can personalize this and make it your own. Yeah. Uh, we cover all the topics that are key to to men. So just go to our, our website, norgretsconference.org, and you get all the information that you need. But it's a great, great way to get guys together, to give them a little boost in the middle of winter. It's yeah. a sort of a, a a dead time. Um, and right now this year it falls between it's the off week of the Super Bowl. So uh, there's nothing hey, else to do. You there can just you join us for, uh, for a morning. No, that's awesome. I was, I was so thrilled to see what you guys were doing. It looks phenomenal. Uh, the lineup is amazing as well. So you guys have really, um, you've done your due diligence here and I know it's going to be awesome. 
We'll put all the links in the show notes to the conference. Um, are there any other ways they can plug in with you, Steve? What's a, what's another good way if they want to just find out about kind of what you're well, doing? We're, we're on we're on all the major. We're on Instagram and Twitter and uh, Facebook and LinkedIn. Um, okay. They can, they can go to all those sites. We do have another website, Men With No Regrets, is our, our broader ministry site there. If they learn, learn more about our training and the leadership cohorts that we're doing, uh, the podcast, the, all of our discipleship resources, our digital Bible studies that are available for guys, um, all the things that we're doing is on our ministry website, menwithnoregrets.org. And uh, so those are all the would be various ways they could follow us and be involved with us. That's perfect. Steve, thank you so much for your time today. This has been very rich. Really appreciate it. It's been great. Thank you so much for what you're doing for your ministry and, and for having this opportunity to talk today. It's been a real joy. Yeah. Okay. So that was my interview with Steve Sonderman. And I really hope you were impacted by it. I, I, I thought of a couple of takeaways to leave you with um, just after you know all the stuff that we covered. And I was thinking about some of the stuff Steve had shared on. But number one, if you're a guy and you're really struggling to find a way to connect with your local church, uh, maybe it's for the reasons that Steve talked about. You know, that stat that 92% of guys said their church was irrelevant. Um, if you're struggling with that, I want to encourage you. You can find relevant churches out there. You can find relevant material. I'm going to guess you'll probably find a bunch of it on Steve's website, uh, which we put in the show notes. Um, but there's lots of other places for you to connect as well. And I just want to encourage you, if you look for it, you'll find it. And I think that's the annoying part is there was a time where you didn't have to look for it because it was there. Um, churches at large were doing this and they understood how to do it well. And unfortunately, it's just not the condition of today's church. And so, um, yeah, there's a little bit more effort required, but for your own sake, for your marriage, for your family, for your work and other relationships, uh, this would be a really good decision. Uh, the other thing I want to encourage you to, is to check out the conference because uh, what they do is really special. You can kind of tell when conferences are put together and it's sort of like, um, you know, it's the local church conference. And so, you know, the organization's okay and the quality of food's whatever. And they got some speakers in, maybe, you know, one decent guy in and, and everybody else is kind of just their local person or whatever. Um, this is not one of those conferences. I, I mean, you can just tell they, uh, they really pull all the stops to make it a very special event. And um, I think I have a scheduled conflict. Others, to be honest, I myself would be there, but um, I highly recommend it. And, um, and I put the link in the show notes for you to check that out as well if you're interested. So um, thank you so much for listening, guys. I really appreciate it. And if you're struggling with um, you know, porn, it's not something we got into tons in the interview, but a little bit, and you're looking to make that next step, you want to get plugged into a community just like Steve was talking about, I want to encourage you to check out our website. Uh, that's thetheasam.com. And I want to encourage you to get your hands on the Ultimate Recovery Guide. That is going to give you the five best practices you can start to implement in your life immediately to pursue a life of freedom and to maintain a life of freedom long term. And if you are really up in your ears, just struggling, and you've had enough and you're ready to make a radical difference in your life, book a call with me. Let's talk and let's figure out what it is that's going to be required to help you get free of porn starting today. So the link is in the show notes to that as well. Tons of links today. Uh, we covered a lot of ground, um, but I just, I'm, I'm trying to help you guys as best as I can. And um, this is, this is all I know. So if there's more I can do for you, you let me know. I'm going to do my best to pull it off. Uh, but without further ado, uh, we'll wrap this up. Thank you guys for listening. Uh, thanks so much uh, for checking out Steve's stuff as well. I know you'll be blessed by it. Have an amazing day and we'll talk soon. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to The New Man Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, you can share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review. To catch all the latest, please sign up for the weekly newsletter at www.sathiasam.com or follow on Instagram at Sam. Thanks again and see you next time.